US startups are dying. And in this video, we will tell you exactly why and how investors, founders, and entrepreneurs can revive this landscape. So to address this topic, we are going to break our discussion or the video down into three parts. So in the first part, we will talk about the section 174 of the US tax law and how this is hindering startups growth. In the second part, we will talk about how regulators in the US, EU and UK are blocking exit path for startups. And in the third part, we will talk about how the startups, the new ones, how they can make it in this new era. So guys, if this is your type of content, please subscribe to our channel. We need your support. This is a very new channel. And our goal is to get 50 likes for this video and tons of comments down there. So please help us. Thank you very much. And let's dive into the section 174 of the US tax law by doing a summary and um, talking about the impact of this law on startups. Yeah, I want to start as well by saying that you may have heard that there's been a lot of layoffs lately a lot of layoffs, but you can see the stock market is going up, is doing really well, but a lot of people are getting laid off. And this section 174 might be one of the reasons why this is happening. To make it very simple on the section 174 and the big changes that it has made for startups, all you have to know is that all R&D related cost can't be expensed anymore. And here we are even including the salaries of software developers. And instead, these expenses are now going to be capitalized and amortized. In the US, if you have software developers for your startups, the salary is going to be amortized over five years. And if they are based outside the US, the salary is going to be amortized over 15 years. There is a lot of background regarding how this law came about, but I'll leave it to you there to kind of add that. Yeah, this law was voted under the Tax Cut Job Act under President Trump in 2017. As part of this law, there were some reduction in corporate tax that a lot of companies benefited from, but they kind of have to balance the budget whenever they do such big tax, tax cuts. So what they did was voting this law to change the R&D specification of what is considered R&D. And unfortunately, they made software engineering part of the R&D costs for companies. The law started or it took effect in 2022. So most companies before 2022 actually thought that this law will be reversed. So basically Congress will shut down this law and it won't be a thing. But what is going on currently Congress is having a lot of issues. They might shut down any day, that kind of thing. So Congress has a lot of things going on. To be honest, they are not really doing a good job with the laws. So this is kind of going to be very bad for startups and for big companies. Back in 2018, when this, about a year after this law was voted, large companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, and others kind of formed a coalition and went to Congress to appeal for their own case, right? To not make this law real. But unfortunately, tax is not a very sexy topic, so it didn't really make it to the news. And here we are today. The worst thing about this is that this kind of law affects smaller businesses more than bigger businesses, especially businesses that have a lot of cash on hand that can pay these extra taxes. They are fine, right? Yes, but it is. smaller businesses 
which don't have a lot of money on hand to pay these huge tax sums, they are either going to fire some employees to be able to have the budget to pay the tax, shut down their business, borrow money to pay the tax, or move their business to different countries. We are going to give you an example of a business that, let's say, makes a $1 million revenue every year. Let's say small business that makes a $1 million revenue. Let's take that example. One thing you were saying before that I just wanted to touch on is that this law is actually beneficial for large companies because in the long term, it helped them in saving more money. So that's the difference between the two. But let's focus on the startup. So we stick to that. This screenshot was taken from the Pragmatic Engineer. It's a new letter for engineers. And because we talk a lot about tech here, I'm myself an engineer. Shout out to the Pragmatic Engineer. So in this example, you can see we are taking a company that is making a revenue of a million dollars. In 2021, that company, let's assume, has five employees and they pay 200000 to each employee. If that company makes a million dollars in revenue in 2021 and spend a million dollars on the five employees that it has, software employees, of course, on their tax at the end of the year, they basically made no money because they made $1 million, but they used that $1 million to pay the salary of their employees. There was no profit. There was no corporate tax due. In 2022, even though the company made the same revenue as in 2021 and spent the same amount of money, according to the new section, the new law section 174, they made a profit of 900000 This is because the $1 million they spent on their software engineers is considered R&D expense. And because according to section 174, R&D expenses cannot be expensed in the same year, but rather have to be amortized over five year period. And the amortization schedule is 10% the first year, 20% between year two and year five and 10% in year six. According to that schedule, the first year, they can only deduct 100,000, even though they have spent a million dollars. Their profit became 900,000. And the IRS basically has to calculate the tax based on the 900,000, which is considered profit in this case. And yeah. they will end up paying $189,000. Exactly. This is very disturbing if you are a startup. And I read many opinions and many articles where startup owners or founders came and talk about this piece of law and how they are in trouble. And in terms of the impact, they are very straightforward. And you mentioned some of them before. The major one is job loss. And we right. are seeing this already. And Wall Street Journal actually estimated the amount of job loss caused by this law to be around 20,000 software engineer job loss in the coming month, which is a huge amount. We are seeing this right. already in the news. And beside this, the second impact, which is, I think, even more important, is the fact that startups are now cash tight. Because when you launch your startup, you start by financing it or funding it yourself or by using a little bit of fund or finance from your relatives before having like a 
I will say a prototype and then go get, I don't know, a VC or whatever. And since they are cash tight, what this means is that they can't really build a prototype or test their product. What startups typically do is they will be throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall till something sticks. And to do this, you need money. You need software engineers. You need people to write those codes. I mean, you know more about that than me. You need people to write those codes. And this law is going to really destroy that. And that's, for me, that's the very disturbing um, point. Just to add to that, here are some facts for you, right? Private businesses make 75% of the R&D expenditures in the US. And small businesses contribute about 90 billion per year towards R&D. And for every billion dollars spent in R&D, it creates 17,000 jobs. Okay. So those are the facts. Now think about me spending a billion dollar and acting like I made, even if I lost the money, according to the IRS, I made $900 million. This is crazy. What is happening here is that startups that are VC funded and are making any sort of revenue will see their cash depletes really quickly because of this law. One point there, so for VC-funded startups, I would say they are a little bit out of trouble because they usually have enough reserve to pay for these situations or to cover these situations. But this means that they will need more reserves, basically, because this right. is unplanned for. But the smaller startups, the ones that go first for like angel investors... Yes. They are the ones that will go struggle. Here we are talking about basic startups that just started a few years and et cetera, et cetera. Small business is the one actually taking the hardest pain yeah. in this matter. And the, another part of this is that I know a lot of small businesses that's because they cannot afford to hire in the U.S., hire people out of India, Philippines, and other countries. If the work those people are doing for the startup qualifies our R&D, basically software engineering, is even worse for those people because according to the law, the amount spent on those people outside of the United States have to be amortized over 15 years. Based on all this, right, for these small startups to grow or be successful, they will need, I would say, basically two things. is either they lose a lot of money so that they pay less tax, or they go out there and then get more investment, right? They get more money that can help them to test their product and then go VC or raise some money later. Even raising money these days is hard. I don't know, I know if you know, know, but the interest rates in the U.S. is quite high. And because of this, VCs are kind of tightening their belt. They don't want to give out money. It's not e- as easy to raise now as it mm. was back in 2021, 2020. This is like a double-edged sword. That's why you see companies, and this is not just affecting small companies, by the way. This is also affecting big companies. Some facts about this is that Microsoft is going to be paying 4.8 billion in additional tax in 2023. This is additional, more than what they used to pay, okay? Netflix is going to pay around 368 million additional tax as well. Even big companies are suffering from this. It's not just small companies. It's not just small businesses, but it's less of a burden for them because they have a lot of cash reserves. 
Exactly. Thank you for that. Basically, what I was saying, you know, the market is very difficult now in terms of raising money. And in the UK here, in Europe, in the UK, our interest rate is even higher than yours in, in the US now. So I know that. But really, the only way is to manage to get more money, right? And to get this, they need to go to investors. And investors need to have incentives to invest in those companies. And investors in general, especially angel investors, what they look for is minimum 10x of what they invest typically between 10x and 30x of what they invest. And they are willing to wait seven to 10 years together. And how they get that is through exit event mainly. So you have exit events, you have secondary market sales and also company buybacks. But their main way to get that huge liquidity is through exit event. And here I'm referring to either IPOs and then M&A. And right. this actually brings us to our second topic or our second part of the video, which is regulators are blocking startups exit path. Here, talking about IPOs first, I have a beautiful chart here that I will share with you. There you can see the chart. That's about IPOs. And these investors, they will be looking at the IPO market. How easy it is for a company in the future to go IPOs. And as you can see there, after 2021, the number of IPOs <laughs> really decreased. And please ignore the 2021 because there are many elements push a lot of IPOs out there and mainly low interest, economic recovery, tech was booming, healthcare was booming as well. And there was more liquidity on the market in terms of here in the UK, the furlough. And in the US, uh, you guys have the stimulus yes. uh, package. And also during COVID, there were a lot of IPOs that were postponed. So that's why 2021 is so high. But basically what I'm trying to say here is that IPO is not easy. And given this outlook, it's very difficult to go for an IPO even in the future because startups typically don't really like this because this complicates their reporting structure. They need to do more financial and accounting things. They need to have equity story and they need to lose control, basically. What I mean by that is they are giving up control to the board or people that have share, major share in the company. So IPO is really complex, costly, public scrutiny, and they don't like it that much. And it also depends on the environment. Mm -hmm. 2023 was not a good year for the stock market. So you could Take as an example, companies like Clavio that went public during that time. Arm did relatively well, but Clavio, you can see today is pretty much down compared to what it was at the time. Those are the issues. It's preferred to have an M&A or merger of acquisition of a startup. And for example, big example of Figma was almost getting acquired by Adobe, yep. but because of the UK where Daniel resides, because of fears of uh, mm -hmm. Monopoly, this acquisition didn't go through. Basically, Figma was not acquired and the VCs that were part of financing that company, they are like, now they have to wait more. Either Figma goes to IPO or another company tried to acquire it. And we don't even know if that's going to work. Those are some of the examples that you are giving. And basically what we are saying here is that M&A is the biggest way to get that liquidity, that 10x or 30x for the investor. So you gave the example of ARM and NVIDIA. That was back in 2022. And in terms of value, that was 40 billion acquisition, but this was blocked, right? The craziest bit is that even China was putting pressure so that this deal doesn't go through. This is crazy. Even China doesn't care about anything. Right. <laughs> was, was putting a lot of pressure. And then beside that, we have a new one that's actually going on now between Amazon 
and then iRobot. And this is a 1.7 million billion, sorry, billion dollars acquisition. And the EU is blocking it. And sorry for me, because I bought share in iRobot, just, you know, crashed completely. They lost like 40% value. I was very hurt. Maybe that's why we are making this video here. Basically, what we are saying is the regulators are just destroying everything. They are blocking all the m and path. And there is literally no way for these investors to have very good incentives to invest in these companies. These investors would rather put their money into funds, private equities, or even the S&P where they can get maybe 10%, 15% in a private equity throughout a period of time instead of giving their liquidity away and then waiting for 10 or 15 years or I don't know, or 10 years. And then at the end, they don't know how to get this liquidity. This takes us smoothly to the third part of the video, which is about the new startups, the startup 2.0 can do to be successful in this new era. Adele, do you have any thoughts on that? New startups, kind of a conundrum, but US is not the only place where you can start a company. An example is if you take companies like Skype or <laughs> Bolt. What is Skype? Uh, Skype currently yeah, acquired <laughs> by Microsoft, but before that, Skype was started in Lithuania. Uh, Bolt, which is, I think, the third largest ride-sharing app on the planet, also started from Lithuania. Okay. There are other places where you can start your company. If the U.S. is making it very difficult for innovation to happen in this traditional place where innovation has always come from, then startups will have to start figuring out different places where they can incorporate. Places like Switzerland, for example, even though they have a high cost of living, they encourage R&D. They give you, I think, 129%. They even give you money to do a research. That's yeah. literally what they do. That's why Google being one of those big research companies, which was already doing the amortization for software development work, especially for products that are not being commercialized yet. They have a big presence in Switzerland. So that is an option for startup founders, especially those people who are in Europe, dreaming to come to the US and start their company in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Maybe you should go to Switzerland. Do you have another example? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> on my side, right, what I will say is uh, for the companies that start in the EU, the exits would be a little bit tricky as we talked about that before. I think I will go a little bit even further. I think you can start your company anywhere, but the finance rules, I would say, are back because what the Silicon Valley did was that they erased finance rules for tech companies or tech startups. And the main finance rule for a company is that cash is king. And how right. does this apply? This apply and goes to the point that number one, the company or the startup needs to be profitable from day one. This is like very big because if you take all the startups, all the tech startups especially, they were all losing money in their first five, seven years. The Twitters, the Amazons, all of them, they were losing money. This will change a lot of things. So you need to be profitable from day one. Beside that, you need to be deeply, as a founder, you need to deeply care about your product and how that will change people's life. And you need to focus on that going forward. That should be your vision. And you need to have the bigger picture in mind all the time. It's not about exiting as an investor or as a founder and then getting a huge cash. This is not about cash. And startup is going to be just about people that are passionate 
and are willing to develop great product. That's the solution. And that's going to restrict and kick a lot of people that are serial entrepreneurs looking for ways to get quick liquidity such as the founder of WeWork that has a lot of money now while the company is dead, basically. So I think for me going forward, that's the main thing all the founders can do and the investors as well. They need to have a very good relationship with their founders because this is not going to be like a short-term relationship. This is like a, a partnership or even like a wedding where there is no divorce. That's my thought on that. Uh, those things that you mentioned, I think... Some of the companies that are ultimately become successful, they do apply those rules to themselves. Mm -hmm. Some of those founders that become successful apply those rules to themselves. But like you said, there are always people in the market who are trying to make quick cash, play the investing game, play the startup game, make some quick cash, move to the next one. Those people in the US, they are not going to disappear because of this rule, because as far as there is money in the market, it mm -hmm. has to go somewhere right? Maybe there'll be less of it. I remember when I was working on startups, what startups do is that they want to show the world that they are doing well. And to show that the world that they are doing well, they have to hire a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I used to work for a startup and basically they hire so many people that some people will come, but they don't have things to do. Basically, the startup was literally spending, I think, almost 10 million a month, but they were generating zero revenue wow. for like yeah. three years. So you can imagine that's not mm -hmm. a great business model for anyone. When you have a lot of people like that and you are doing R&D, like Daniel mentioned that you are throwing spaghetti on the wall and sees what is stick. This is costing you money. You have to, this is the year of efficiency, like Chamat has said in one of his podcasts, and everybody has to basically be efficient. And this is going to affect me as a software engineer and other software engineers as well, because less people, companies are going to hire. Even though this goes against me, my suggestion is that founders take more time to hire. They make sure they hire the best of the best. Instead of hiring to show that you're doing well, make sure you have your project or your product timeline well figured out. All the research that you have to do, make sure you do a good work at determining how many people need to work on a project and make sure you hire efficiently and make sure you hire the best people. This is affecting me as well. I'm a software engineer, so less of us are going to get hired. But I have to be honest that if you are running a business, you have to hire well because for everybody you hire, you have to pay tax on that, basically. Yeah. So first, totally agree with you. The last thing I will add to that is the fact that we are in an AI era and a lot of things are changing. When, if you compare the time when you needed five software engineers to today, with the AI progress and what we are kind of expecting to see in the future, these five would become maybe two or one. Leverage AI. I'm Leverage shaking my head. If yeah, you can exactly. see me, yeah. I'm shaking my head because I've seen a lot of people say this and mm. we've done a lot of videos on AI. I build on AI, right? I build a lot of stuff on AI. As a software engineer, I can tell you, I've been doing this for more than 10 years now. It's not cut and dry like that. A lot of people who say that mm. don't really know what software engineers do. They know they write code, but that is just part of the job, right? Most software engineers spend more time thinking of, about problem 
and how to come up with solutions than just writing code. So when people are saying that, oh, instead of two engineers, you need three, instead of uh, five engineers, you need two. That's not really true because (laughs) if those two engineers that you are using to replace the five engineers don't really know how to communicate well, and by communicating, I'm not just saying communicating with a human being, but being really good at prompting an AI, they are just going to waste their time because they think AI is going to give them a boost in productivity. That is not really true. If you are a software engineer, you've worked on any complicated product, you know this for a fact. Yes, AI can write a function here and there, but in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty useless, especially when you are working on something that is really complicated. And I know I'm, what I'm talking about. Okay, I'll leave that with you, but that was my contribution. <laughs> I'm in finance. I'm not a software engineer, so yeah. That's it. Thank you guys for listening to us. Adele, do you have anything else to say before we wrap it up? Yes, guys, please subscribe to our channel. We see that you are watching the video. We see a lot of people compared to the number of subscribers that we have is not matching up. If you are watching the video, please subscribe so that we can bring you more topics like this. We can talk more about tech, talk more about business and investing. And if you like our content, always share and comment under the video. Even if you want to say hi or just write hi in the comment, just do it. Thank you. Cool. Also, we will drop some of the articles that we use for this video down in the description. So thank you guys. Bye. Yes. And one last thing, if you are a software engineer and you are, I don't want to say afraid, but you are worried about this law impacting your job or the opportunities you have in the US as a software engineer, I'm going to leave a link in the description, which will allow you to go some of the websites and find your Congress representative name, and you can call them so that they can repeal this law, because this is going to affect all of us as software engineers. If the job market is destroyed, then, you know, (laughs) we will all be doing podcasts. We don't want to all do podcasts, okay? So don't, I'm going to leave the link down below. Don't use our podcast to create a union for software software developers. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing what the Amazon guy did by creating this union. Uh, this union. No, 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 no. This, this is already ongoing. Like there are groups that were formed by small business owners who are calling their congressmen and so that they can repeal this law. Because if this law stays, the tech job market is going to be worse. Check the links in the description. Call your congressman so that they repeal this law. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the content. Don't forget to smash the like button and subscribe. Me and my buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah, I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching us lagging. Me and my buddy, we working hard for this money.